0: For new people, I'm Taigen Leighton, a guiding teacher of Ancient Dragon Zen Gate here. Um, I want to speak this morning, talk this morning about a few uh, tidbits from Ehe Dogen, the founder of our branch of Zen in Sozo Zen. Uh, this is a kind of a preview of the seminar I'm doing in Saturday, October 21st, uh, a few weeks from now, uh, repeat seminar on Dogen's extensive record, which I translated with Shavaku Okumura. It's a uh, master work of Dogen's along with Shogo Genzo. So I'm uh, just going to read a handful of uh, excerpts. Most of this is short uh, Dharma Hall discourses, uh, some of them not that short, but most of them are very short. And, uh, the, this work also includes, uh, his poetry from his early years in ch- traveling in China in his twenties till his passing in, 19- in 1253. So, um I'm just going to dive in and, we, and, uh, I'm looking forward to questions, discussion, anything you have. So, uh, the first one I'm going to read is from 1242, uh, just to say in terms of his chronology, in 1243 there was this big change. He moved his full, uh, samba from Kyoto, from the capital, up way up to the mountains in the north, and eventually built uh, a gauge temple. So this was before he left, he moved. Uh, Everybody has their own radiant light. The Buddha Hall and Monk's Hall can never be destroyed. And actually, uh, here we have the, the Buddha Hall where we do services, and the Monk's Hall is end up in one, in one room. But anyway, this can never be destroyed. Now I ask you, where do you come from? The radiant light allows the radiant light to respond. After a pause, Dogen said, in spring, beyond our own efforts, a withered tree returns to life and flowers. For nine years, unknown by people, how many times did he cross the desert? So the nine years refers to Bodhidharma, the founder of Chan Zen in China, who came from India across the desert. Uh, he sat in a cave for nine years before teaching. Everybody has their own radiant light. This is the basis of our practice. And Hoketsu and I are going to talk about this more in a the Rohatsu session at the beginning of December, where we're going to talk about radiance, and texts early in Soto Zen about this radiance. This is Buddha. This is the way in which all things express Buddha. This is the way in which, uh, he says, where do you come from? The radiant light allows the radiant light to respond. So it is thanks to Buddha that we can sit and inhale and exhale, and stay, try and stay upright and unmoved for 30 or 40 minutes or whatever it is, or for uh, a day like uh, we will be doing next Sunday the Douglas reading, um, the radiant light is Buddha, is everything, and allows us to practice. So he says in spring beyond our own efforts, the withered tree returns to life and flowers. So this renewal of our awareness, of our Buddha-ness, of our uprightness, of our ability to just sit and face the wall of our ancient, twisted karma, become intimate with how we are. This is the radiant light of Buddha acting through us. And everyone here, as you are now taking your seat in in our little um. So if you have comments or questions on that, I can come back. I was going to just read through a bunch of them, and please uh, let me know if you have comments or questions. The next one is from also from 1242, and it's on the occasion of the autumn full moon, hmm. which we just have experienced here in this time and space. So Dogen says previous Buddhas and later Buddhas are together, equally verified and awakened. They all completely illuminate each other. Right here, we directly receive the glorious radiance. Hitting the mark and bursting through delusions, there is killing and giving life, endowed with such a standard, we attain such authority. Where is this not called venerable? Where do we not express the Dharma? Although it is like this, having seen the cold ground, such scenes, each scene, it's a good laugh. Is this clearly apparent? After a pause, as he does frequently in his Um, all discourses. Before our eyes, there is no Dharma that we can assess outside of Dharma. What is there for mind to examine? So it's all Dharma. and This word Dharma, of course, refers to teachings, teachings about reality, and reality itself, and the truth. It also refers to the elements of that, the dharmas, the factors of reality. And in early Buddhism, they, in early Buddhist psychology and Abhidharma, they developed, uh, lists of all the elements of reality. And they, uh, they're mostly qualities of, of mind and awareness. Things like, uh, wholesomeness or trust or unwholesomeness or, uh, uh, various aspects of how, of Things of the world. The experiences of the world. Did you have a question, Shan? Yeah, I'm missing a word that you used not at the end of the last verse, but the one before. I think you said something about the cold ground. Yes. And then we awake and that's the next word. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um uh, uh what is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. just before the pause, in this one, Yeah. Although it is like this, having seen the cold ground, each scene, each scenario, is a good laugh. Laugh? L-A-U-G-H? Laugh. 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 Oh, laugh, OK. I thought laugh. I mean, that's yeah. what I heard. Duncan is laughing at, at, uh, are <laughs> being caught in the cold ground, at our, uh um, you know, the ground has a lot of meanings in, in Zen. Uh, it just is the place where we are, our dharma position. And it's also, you know, just down to earth. So, he says, although it is like this. So, uh, I'm gonna go back to the beginning of, of this, well, go over these Previous Buddhists and later Buddhas are together equally verified in awakening. So verified also implies form of transmission of being verified by a teacher. But, but actually, all of us are verified in awakening. This is the practice we are doing sitting here this morning. We are verified as Buddhas in awakening. And I don't I think you need to have the. Uh, I think you could have the gallery view on the as people get know on the wall, even though we're all just hanging on the wall. Anyway, um, yeah, this is um, this is an interesting thing that Dogen is saying. It is like this: everything is venerable. Where do we not express the Dharma? You can't help but express the reality of your life and now. It's not something extra that you need to make up. We are each doing it right now in this body-mind. Although it is like this then, he says, having seen the cold ground, and can we actually see where we are in our Dharma position. And can feel cold and unfeeling, but each scene is a good laugh. So it's not that Dogen is laughing at us, he's kind of laughing with us. Anyway, he says, is this clearly apparent? Then there's the pause, and then he says, before our eyes, there is no dharma that we can assess. So we can't define, control, determine, figure out. It's, this is, our practice is not about figuring out <laughs> what reality is. Our practice is just, here we are expressing it. Outside of Dharma, outside of reality, outside of all the stuff, what is there for mind to examine? This is what we, this is what the mind does. We're sitting upright, inhaling and exhaling, observing the wall in front of us, or allowing the wall in front of us to observe us. Uh, So outside of this, outside of this reality, what is there that our mind examines? When we are thinking, when we are wondering, it's always just this. We are right here. So this radiance that Dogen's good said is, uh, thanks to Buddha and it is Buddha. And Buddha is right here. And we take refuge in Buddha. We also take refuge in Dharma, the reality. The truth the teaching of it, and sangha, the community, so we are all doing this together so uh we can come back and, and respond to any of you, but I wanted to just as a sample read a number of these um, actually, this is one that I um spoke about recently within the last month about Shito, who wrote the song of the Hut yeah. and uh Talking about the essential meaning of Buddha Dharma. But does anyone want me to repeat this? Do you all have, know the essential meaning of Buddha Dharma? Oh, Reuben said his head no. So Reuben doesn't doesn't un- doesn't understand this. He doesn't understand this. So for Ruben's sake, I'll read this. Uh, here is a story. Doga says, Genkong uh, Dawu, one of one of his students, asked Shito, who wrote the Harmony of Difference and This, the Song of the Grasshopper. What is the essential meaning of Buddha Dharma? This is the basic question. What does it mean? What's it all about? Um, but often in Zen they ask it in funny ways, like, "Why did Bodhidharma come from the West?" <laughs> There's all kinds of ways of asking this. And Shuto said, "This is a really important." Shito or Sekito in Japanese, some of you know that way. He lived in the 700s. He said, "Not to attain, not to know." This is the essential meaning. And if you think you're gonna you're gonna figure out and get a hold of the essential meaning, that's not it. And if you think you're gonna figure it out and know it, that's not it either. But the essential meaning is not to attain, not to know. This is very challenging in our uh you know, consumerist, acquisitive culture where we're trained from very young to attain things, to acquire things, to figure things out, to know things. We have to know a bunch of stuff to get to the next grade or whatever, as kids. Anyway, um, so he said not to attain, not to know. And that's all I need to read from this. But the student, Vau, said, beyond that, is there any other pivotal point or not? And Siddharth said, the wide sky does not obstruct the white clouds drifting. So, literally, you know, I I think it's pretty clear that there aren't any white clouds up there. Maybe there are. But there will be later on. But the wide sky does not obstruct or hinder or harm or, you know, find fault with the white clouds drifting by. And this is our Sasa. The wide sky of Zazen does not obstruct thoughts and feelings that we may recognize as we're sitting facing the wall. And, of course, the, the uh, thoughts and feelings the cloud, the white cloud's drifting, do not harm or hinder the wide the sky. I mean, that goes without saying. And then Dovan has a comment on this dialogue. Not to attain, not to know, is Buddha's essential meaning? The wind blows into the depths, and further winds blow. Winds is an image for, well, many things, culture, teaching. Here, the further winds blow refers to Buddha going beyond Buddha. It's not enough to uh, fully realize Buddha on your seat, and recognize Buddha on your seat, or even have some very fine understanding of what Buddha is. Further winds blow. The Dogen also frequently refers to Buddha going beyond Buddha. Buddha continued to, Chakyamuni Buddha, uh, one of the Buddhas uh, who lived in northeast India um, 2,500 years ago, continued practicing every day, continued awakening every day. So Dogen continues. the wide sky does not obstruct the white clouds drifting at such a time. Why do you bother to take the trouble to ask yourself. And that's kind of a trick question. Why do we ask these questions? why do we say, what's it all about? What's the meaning of the Givana? Is there any value in that? Can't we just enjoy the radiance? Well, this is a real question that we're going to ask. Okay. um, I'm going to read another one. And this is one that Wade referred to in his talk recently. About intimacy, uh, deepening intimacy with self and others, he titled this one. Uh, and it's, a, it's short, it's just a 4 line poem. Please cherish your skin, flesh, bones, and marrow. This is another reference to Bodhidharma, who described his students as having his skin, flesh, bones, and marrow. Uh, that's four-length students. Please cherish your skin, flesh, bones, and marrow. Knowing each other, intimate friends grow even more intimate. This is about intimacy and friendship and spiritual friendship. When someone asks the meaning of coming from the West, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? What's The essential meaning of Bodhidharma. Bodhidharma faces the wall for nine years, abiding at Shaolin. So that's a monastery. It has a uh, mountain right near it. I visited that in 2007. And there's a cave at the top where Bodhidharma sat for nine years. Um, But I want to go back to this line. Knowing each other, intimate friends grow even more intimate. So, um, so Dogen, and Zen, uh, literature generally, and, all, and especially a lot of the Koan uh, teaching stories, <coughs> refer to common cultural information from China. Later on from Japan, but you'll get brought all this for the first time. So, koans Koan for the first time, from China to Japan is also Seven when he returned for four years studying in China, and he has and this line, knowing each other, intimate friends grow even more intimate. And this this phrase that the translated as intimate friends is um, an idiom for intimate friends, but it but it literally means knowing the sounds. So there's a Chinese cultural story that about this. This expression comes from an old classic Chinese story. So they refer to these old classic Chinese things the way we might refer to Shakespeare or Mary Oliver or rock lyrics. Anyway, it's just current popular knowledge. But this old, this old story, there was a great musician who had a friend who deeply appreciated his music. When the musician's friend died, he broke the strings of his instrument and he never played it. He never played music. It's Imagine the intimacy of a friend who really appreciated you know, whatever it is you do, music, art, and they die and just never get involved. Um, So, I'll just read this one again. Please cherish your skin, flesh, bones, and marrow, knowing each other. Intimate friends grow even more intimate. When someone asks the meaning of what oh, you are, coming from the west, he faces the wall for nine years, inviting it, Shaolin. Shaolin is interesting uh, because it's also the center of, did any, any of you ever watch the old TV show Kung Fu? Ah, uh, anyway, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Kane. Kane walks the yeah. David Carey. David Carey, Carri- yeah, a great actor. Um Shaolin um, was where, was the center of martial arts in China. And he had studied it in, in Kung, Kung He had studied at Shaolin. But, uh, this Shaolin before that was where Bodhidharma um sat in the cave for nine years. And um it was interesting when when I visited Shaolin with a group led by Andy Ferguson that um, there's this martial arts kind of a ca- modern academy up before the old temple of Shaolin. And there's a big statue of Bodhidharma, like as a warrior a real boss, like it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Anyway, um and <laughs> so, Bodhidharma is this like, you know, figure, seminal figure, iconic figure for Zen. Um, but there's a story, which I found out thanks to Paula Lazars, who's a priest here and a martial arts teacher. She has her own martial arts studio. And uh thanks to her questions, I, 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 did, some, I did some help, some investigations. And the founder of the martial arts at Shaolin was a was a Soto person Saodong in Chinese. Who was a disciple of Wansong, who wrote the commentary for the Book of Serenity, the uh, uh, main Goan collections. Anyway, uh, and he wasn't a martial arts person himself, but he. I guess it was a difficult time and there were lots of bandits around. It. So to protect his monks and to protect visitors who might come to Shaolin, he, he assembled all the great martial arts teachers of the time. At Sheldon, and that became the center of martial arts learning. And it continues to be the center of the uh, temple, thanks to this disciple of, his founder, his disciple of Wansong. Anyway, okay, so, so that's, excuse me, yes. I'm just curious, because yes. like, this is like four or five hundred years after Bodhidharma. Yep. So, so it wasn't a martial arts temple at all until 12th century or something like that until it, uh, until late in the 13th century. Yeah, 13th century. Like but in, in a lot of what we think of as Zen history is myth and legend. And so, so in, in martial arts <coughs> traditions, they claim Bodhidharma was the founder of yeah. their tradition, but he wasn't in the martial arts as much as we uh, what we imagine. So uh, anyway. But Dogen refers to Shaolin, referring to Bodhidharma, not to much. So, yeah. If you, as since since I'm doing a number of these different talks, if you have a question as we go, it's okay if you want to speak up or raise your hand, and then we can do more discussion at the end. And uh, I guess I'm just going to do a couple more, two or three Jan, did you have a question? It, uh, I, it's a problem with hearing, and uh, I missed the name of that. Book of Poem Stories that were translated by someone you mentioned. Yes, it. book Book of Serenity, Shoyoroku in Japanese. Oh, Book of Serenity, which is which we refer to uh, somewhat regularly here. Yeah, okay. And it's so a collection it's of a hundred stories. Okay. And the and the guy who's <coughs> whose student founded the martial art, brought martial arts to Shaolin, is the main commentator of those. On those stories which were co- originally compiled by Hongzhou, who I talked about sometimes, he wrote, he wrote his version of the stories and a verse comment and then Huang Song added lots of things. And a lot of it is like, is like referring to Chinese cultural lore, you know, the way we would refer to rock lyrics or you know, Shakespeare or you know, whatever. So that's sometimes why it's difficult for Americans to read these poem collections because there is a lot of, uh, you know, and, and the, good ver- the good editions of those and translations have footnotes that help some, but there's a whole lot of cultural lore embedded in it, just like we would take for granted references to, you know, Beatles lyrics or something. So, so that's it. why you need footnotes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you, I remember you, you saying once that you didn't like footnotes. I, I look at the footnotes first. Anyway. Sorry, um, well, I didn't say anything. Anyway, it's okay. <laughs> I misunderstood you then. Yeah. Anyway, okay, I have two more from late in his life. Uh, Dogen died in 1253 He he moved to the northern mountains far from the capital. Um, so, this one is from 1251, one of my favorites. The family style of all Buddhas and ancestors is to first arouse the vow to save all living beings by removing suffering and providing joy. So we will chant the four Bodhisattva vows later and we start with saving all beings. Only this family style is inexhaustibly bright and clear. So family style refers to a particular uh, style of teaching of a particular lineage. So this is our family style. In the lofty mountains, and if we could talk about the family style of Buddhism in general, Um, in the lofty mountains we see the moon for a long time. As clouds clear, we first recognize the sky. So this refers to, you know, Dogen and his assembly, literally, were living up in (coughs) these. High mountains in northern Japan, and uh, the monastery that some of us have practiced in and visited in Tassajara, California, is also up in the mountains. And so this is referring to taking some time to practice intensely. But we can think of this just as taking a few days, or taking one day, or maybe taking a period to sit. Uh, in December, as I said, we're going to do a five day session. But, um, In the lofty mountains, when we are sitting intensely over some time, we see the moon for a long time. So the moon is not just the full moon that we celebrate. up uh, the uh, precept ceremonies, at times of the time of the full moon. Uh, the full moon is an image. It is used widely in Zen. The wholeness, just the roundness of the full moon, is a way of talking about settling into wholeness, to fullness, to seeing fully. And then, uh, as clouds clear, we first recognize the sky. So this again is a zazen instruction. As we sit intently, we recognize, we see the moon. It comes to moon, and if, and if we sit for a while, we see it for a while. And as clouds clear, we first recognize the sky. So going back to the, the, uh, wide sky does not indicate the clouds drifting. This is about our zazen. So I would guess that most of you in this period of zazen we just did before this had some thoughts or feelings. I don't want to assume that. Wade is smiling, so he must have had some thoughts. One, one or two. One or two? Just one or two, okay um sorry. anyway um, <laughs> um as clouds clear we first recognize the sky so part of zazen and maybe the hardest part of zazen is, is that as we sit silent and upright when we start to see the clouds of our ancient twisted karma. we start to see and recognize and feel all of the stuff, I don't know if that's its current technical term in psychology, it's just that all all of the habits and tendencies we have, we start to see them, we start to feel them. And the practice is to become intimate with them, to actually see who we are, how we are, or how these thoughts and feelings come up, not to try and Change that because as we become intimate with them, they they may not fall away completely, but at least we don't need to react to them. We don't need to act out based on our habit patterns. We become familiar with it. Oh, what's that? You know, we can respond without being caught by that. Um, okay, so as clouds clear, we first recognize the sky and then Cast loose down the precipice, down the mountain, streams, the moonlight shares itself within the ten thousand forms. This is the heart of our practice. When we see the openness, the radiance, that is the reality of our life, of our particular lives, we uh, share it with ten thousand forms. All the people we know—family, friends, neighbors, a workplace—and and a lot of Buddhist teaching is about how that happens. It's not that we try and manipulate things to expect to to you know fossilize to people about how wonderful things, are. <laughs> but it becomes part of our skin, flesh, bones, and marrow, and then. Dogen says, even when climbing up the bird's path, taking good care of yourself is spiritual power. So, yes, everyone, please take good care of yourself. This is the first part, the first step in compassion and and saving all beings, freeing all beings. He mentions the bird's path, which goes back to uh, Dongshan, Ninth century founder of, in China, of this lineage, bird's path, just as an image for our not knowing exactly what our path is. We, the birds can, birds know where they're going. <laughs> they migrate to the same place every year. but We can't see it, so we can't always see where we're going or what's happening or what our path is, but we still, we, we, um, we climb up the bird's path when we, when we are engaged in this practice. But then, taking care of yourself a spiritual power. Then, after a pause, Dogen said, The moon moves following the boat with the ocean vast. Spring turns following the sun, and the sunflowers red. So he has all these poetic phrases in the middle of his teachings to express things. The moon moves following the boat. So as the, as we are riding, sailing, rowing, whatever on a boat, the moon <laughs> follows us in the water alongside. And actually, even in the moonlight. With the ocean banks, spring turns following the sun, and the sunflowers are red. So I'm going to read one more, also from 12, oh, this is from 1252, the year after last one. And this is about autumn, since we are yeah, past the equinox, fully entering into autumn. again, said, you should know that becoming a Buddha is not something new or ancient. How could practice Realization be within any boundary? Do not say that from the beginning not a single thing exists. So this is kind of heresy because this this is a famous phrase from the sixth ancestor. From the beginning not a single thing exists. And yes, uh, from the point of view of emptiness teaching, this is our reality. But Dogen says not to say that. The causes are complete and the results are fulfilled through time. Great Assembly, please tell me why is it like this? <laughs> so, Dogen, so there's a uh, some of you know the Fox colon, There's a uh, in our in our lineage. The point is not to reach some ultimate experience, or ultimate understanding. The causes are complete, and the results are fulfilled through time. So we do not ignore cause and effect. We do not ignore the everyday stuff that happens in our lives, and around us, and in our society. And uh, I think I heard that uh, the government is not shutting down. Despite all the fears, so anyway, all the things that happen in our world are due to cause and effect. The causes are complete and the results are fulfilled through time. So we don't ignore this through time. So he says, "Don't say not a single thing exists because we all we do live. We 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 glimpse Buddha's radiance. We are Buddha's radiance." And yet, how do we express that? um, You know, as you as the last as in the last one I was reading, how do we arouse the vow to save all living beings by removing suffering and providing joy? So we sit upright and inhale and exhale, and, and we can rejoice in. Oh, I have more time. Okay, um, we see this radiance that we are, that we is through Buddha, through the teaching, through all the dharmas, through community or sangha, practicing this together. So the causes are com- complete and the results are fulfilled, cause and result, cause and effect, that happens. We see that in our life, and they're fulfilled through time. Even though we may also enjoy, drink up oh, the radiance of Buddha that is here now. Can you all hear me okay? Online too. lying right. Thank you. Um, So then Dogen says, Great Assembly, please tell me, why is it like this? So you may have responses to that. But then, in this Dharma Hall Discourse in 1252, Dogen paused and then said, Opening flowers will unfailingly bear the genuine fruit. Green leaves meeting autumn immediately turn red. So we're starting to see the leaves turning. Some of the trees here in Chicago. We know this. This is part of our experience. And also opening flowers unfailingly bear genuine fruit. So as we open up to the radius, Buddha is here. And also, and yet, an array for the green leaves meeting autumn and immediately turning red. Well, it takes a little while. But sometimes a tree that was green yesterday suddenly, there's a tree across the street from where it's now yellow. It seems to have happened overnight. <laughs> Maybe I just didn't focus. So I have time, and then you know, I want to just have discussions about these, and I can repeat anything that you want. Uh but I'll I'll close with uh, at the end of Dogin's extensive record, which I'll talk about a lot more, the seminar on Saturday afternoon on the 21st from 4:30. You can find it on the website and register at you' right. Um there's a last section with lots of poetry. Actually, it's the next to the last section. Uh, and then there's a section of koans that he, uh, collected, teaching stories. But this is from a collection select of verses about the time of leisurely seclusion. In birth and death, we sympathize with ceasing and arising. Both deluded and awakened paths proceed within a dream. And yet there's something difficult to forget. In leisurely seclusion at Fukaksa, sound the evening rain. Fukaksa was the place where he first practiced in Kyoto before he found a temple there after he came back from China. So he was just, uh, in some kind of grass hut, on his own, after he came back from China and starting to write down some of what he learned in China. But in this poem he says, in birth and death, we sympathize with ceasing, then arising. Both deluded and awakened paths proceed within a dream, come back to that. And yet there's something difficult to forget, in leisurely seclusion, at the trucks of sound of evening rain. So, within the last week, I heard evening rain. I it's lovely, actually. Sometimes, recently here, we've had the sound of cicadas. This, this morning, we had the sound of people walking by. I do not square. if it's all have the shadows on the wall. Yes. I it's a U-tree. I think it's a U-tree. Is that a blue tree yes. outside the window? It's your tree. Yew tree Yew <laughs> tree Oh, my tree. <laughs> my tree. <laughs> Compassion, yay. <laughs> but this, this is the moving across. even was on the ceiling for a while. Oh, wow. These shadows, which is an auspicious sign of radiance. Radiance, yes. You can see the radiance on the wall. (laughs) Or I couldn't, unless I had turned, I wouldn't have seen it, but I guess you can see it. Yeah, the leaves have been just waving with the wind. Leaves are fluttering. Undulating Undulating, slightly. Undulating, fluttering, vibrating. So so this is, I think, what Dogen also could say that it's not that there is no thing. Yes, there is cause and effect, yeah. So the sun is moving uh, around the Earth, or what no? the other way around <laughs> uh, <laughs> But the sunlight on the wall oops, it's moving. very cool. So this is like the sound of breathing rain. yes I want to go back to one other line in this. Both deluded and awakened paths proceed within a dream. Sogan has a has a uh, an essay in his Shovagenzo collection of longer essays about expressing the dream and inner a dream so usually in uh, orthodox conventional traditional Buddhism, they talk about awakening from the dream that we're all in the dream of we're all caught in delusion and there's this dream that we're in. And we don't see the radiance because we're busy with our dream, all the all the uh thoughts and feelings and stuff that the monkey mind might have come up in some people's other. On so uh, only had a couple of thoughts, but um, anyway. Um so traditionally in Buddhism they talk about awakening from the dream. This is a you know clear conventional Was was anybody here dreaming just before you woke up this morning? Did you remember? Even if you don't remember what the dream was. I don't, sometimes, occasionally I'll remember a dream. Mostly I don't, but anyway. um, Okay, Dogen turns that upside down in that essay, expressing the dream within a dream. So this goes, this, this is a kind of a cultural thing. This is about medieval Japanese poetry, uh, and poets, and, uh, so a number of people in Dogen's time, roughly, uh, worked, uh, practiced with their dreams. Um, Keizan, who's this, considered the second founder of Soto Zen, who was a few generations after Dogen, Um, focused on on his dreams a lot, and he actually made decisions about his students and about where he would build a new temple based on dreams he had. (laughs) Uh, They took dreams seriously. And if we see consciousness as this continuity between uh, monkey mind and radiance, of course dreams is part of that. Uh, There was another great Amakura period, the, a little older than Dogen, a priest named Nyoang, who I like a lot, who's uh, he was both Shimgon or Vajrayana and Kegon or of the Tansapa schools, the earlier schools before Zen. He lived in northwestern Kyoto. But he also often traveled to Nara where there's the Fodaiji temple, which is where uh, there's this, the great Buddha the, the the largest wooden statue in the world, mm-hmm. and the largest wooden building in the world. I mean, is anybody here for tomorrow? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, me. Yeah. It's an amazing statue, and uh, it's the statue of Vairochana, the ultimate radiance Buddha, you know, whose radiance is this world and is our body, mind, and is Buddha. You know, uh, that's the teaching. It's not how we usually think of things as 21st century Americans, whatever we are. Um, at any rate, um, Noe kept a dream journal for 40 years where he wrote down his dreams. He was really into dreams and commented on them. And a lot of them have uh Buddhas or Bodhisattvas, but not all of them. And he also included sometimes, um, images or visions he had while sitting in meditation. So sometimes when you're sitting facing the wall, maybe especially in longer sittings, you have what feels like, at least I do, feels like a dream, some kind of dream scenario. Has anybody felt that before? Alex? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So Dogen says both deluded and awakened paths proceed within a dream. So he's referring to this. Um, and there's an old Zen poem about this, which maybe you've heard uh, merrily, 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 like a dream. So um anyway, Dogen here is is talking about the dynamics of our practice awakening. And and even though our practice, both our delusion and our awakening, and Dogen also said in one of his essays, uh, we don't try and get rid of delusion and get a hold of awakening. (laughs) It's all just to to be in delusion throughout delusion, be in awakening throughout awakening. So it's not about you know, reaching some great awakened state. It's about just taking on how is it to be the person on your seat right now. Right now, tomorrow, last night, last week, throughout our lives. It's throughout our dreams of our life. And yet, Dogen says, there's something difficult to forget in leisurely seclusion. New Kyoto. Sound of evening rain. So he was looking back on that from a long time later, but appreciating the sound of evening rain. Or the... Satellites? Where? Where? The, it's there. It's there, okay. Is it moving down? Maybe, yeah. It's, anyway. Uh, okay, so uh you know, there's a lot more. There are 535 of these dharma Hall discourses. in no against extensive so record, I could read some more. Um, but I'll pause now, at least, and uh, ask if you have comments, questions, and I can reread any of the ones you want, or anything generally. And Ruben, help me see the people on one. Yes, Eve. Now I have a question actually about the value of questions <laughs> in, in general. I mean, so some of what you were reading, you know, talked about the value of seclusion and, and the value of, you know, sitting and solo contemplation. But, um, But he was always also talking about the value of Sangha because he said this. So all, all of these Dharma Hall discourses, which is what I was reading except for the last poem, it weren't like this because this this the monks were standing and he was sitting up on the dominant seat on the, on the platform. So that's maybe why some of them are short because they were standing. <laughs> but, a standing uh, meeting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it's a, they were all about not just seclusion, although some of them do refer to that, but also. About community, because he was, he, he was acknowledging the assembly and then often asking him, do you have any, <laughs> any comments? Yeah, so go ahead, and, and let's, let's, so everyone is welcome to, to comment or speak or ask questions and let's, uh, give, like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so what I was wondering, Um yeah, so that's a pathway to enlightenment too, right? The, the dialogue. It's not a pathway to enlightenment. It's awakening itself. Itself. So we, yeah. So we sit, but also we talk with each other like this, and it's not about figuring out some the meaning of some story or anything like that. It's not necessarily about everybody agreeing, is it? No, it's it's about you agreeing with you, and then and then and then realizing that you don't know the whole thing. Being willing to learn and, and when when you see divergence, I mean you know sometimes people react with anger, but I mean it was interesting you know to hear you mention laughter because to me sometimes laughter comes out of recognizing divergence yeah. and laughter is you know loud in Zen if you if somebody's making a comment and you feel laughter coming up. It's okay. You're not laughing at them. You're laughing at all of us. And crying is allowed too. No crying in baseball, but there's crying in Zen. So I've been in Zen those where somebody just, you know, during the middle of the city started crying, sometimes audibly. And, you know, this world gives us a lot to cry about and gives us a lot to laugh about. And you said sometimes it's okay to be angry too. Well, OK, that's a, whole, that's a whole different Dharma talk that I want to give sometime soon. Mm-hmm. How to practice with anger. Because we all, you know, if you're paying attention, we all, you know, can allow our anger to rise due to various causes of division. But it's our anger. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, um, so how do we take care of anger? Uh, how do we take care of, uh, Not not dumping anger on someone, (laughs) but seeing our own anger, seeing what's involved in the causes and conditions without necessarily finalizing that, and then um, seeing how to respond helpfully. So the practice of skillful means and patience are important when anger arises. How do we... Be patient with our own anger and patient with the situation that allowed us to feel our own anger. And but then also pay attention and find skillful means to respond to the situation helpfully. That's a very short version of that. Jonathan. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I, I get angry sometimes when people, you know, don't want to allow for disagreement or divergent points of view or dialogue. Yeah, that's right. We don't so oneness this is the harmony of difference and sameness. This is totally essential part of our practice teaching is that we see the oneness of all of us. then came back from China and he said and asked what he brought and he said, eyes horizontal, nose vertical. <laughs> so um, I think everyone here has that and I think probably all the people online, too. And, um, so, and also, I can tell the difference between you and Wade. Yeah. He's a lot taller than you. I Otherwise I that. wouldn't know, but... <laughs> yeah. So we recognize difference as well as things. That's yeah. that's exactly what the, this last one was talking about, <coughs> about, uh, one of the last ones, was talking about, um, uh, where is it, um, i do not say that from the beginning not a single thing exists. If you just hold on to emptiness, that, that doesn't really work. Causes are complete and the results are fulfilled. So we have to see differences. We see sameness and difference. But we see difference from the context of having some sense of the radiance yeah, so almost. he can see the top of the refrigerator and I can't. I don't see it in camp. <laughs> oh. Maybe Ruben? No, I don't think even Ruben can see it. It's, at, it's oh, a couple rooms out. Wait, wait for it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm doing work practice so I can ask it. So David had a question, comment. No, question, Saying about, same as the different 19th, uh, reading that we we doing on uh by Zenju and she talks how a flower and a bee are different, but they sh the same they have the same life source. Is that what Dogan is Dogen saying that oh Yeah, that that's two? a good example, yeah. The the flower and the bee, yeah, they're different. Most flowers don't buzz, I don't know. um, <laughs> um some maybe do. But um, yeah, they're they're involved. They're intimately interacting in a way that sometimes produces honey and 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 pollinates more flowers, and you know has various wonderful causes and effects. So thank you, David. So um, other people, spoken comments, questions, responses. Request for repeat readings again. you have something. Um, I have a Unitarian minister that used to say, "Wisdom is the search for wisdom." Ah, yeah. there's a joke, there's a story that Dogen cites about the the the, the um, fire boy seeking fire. Um, oh. it's a longer story. and I'll get to know that story. I do know the story, and also Suzuki Roshi said, It is wisdom that seeks wisdom. Yes. That's then my beginner's mind when it starts that quote or something like that. But I'm thinking it might be good for us to move along. People online might have some comments. Yes, yeah, so is anybody uh, still online have any comments or questions? Yes. David Ray. Who's Hi, Thank you. Thank you for the. Can you hear me, Tigan? David, yes, I can hear you. Yes, oh, so. Oh, actually, oh. Hmm? Right. Hi, I'm still on light because light sounds awfully dualistic, and it sounds awfully subject-verb-object. And I get it that this is not. And I'm still trying to. Trying to see what what can emerge from me if I sit with that as a question. So today, my question is: What's with radiance? Are you Are you talking about radiance? I'm talking about radiance. So, why is it radiant and what is why, radiance? Mean? Why, radiance in, in this context, as the basis of our practice in a Buddha, does not mean light as opposed to darkness. There's a radiance to darkness, too. But what's anyway, radiance? yes. What's radiance? Yeah, what's radiance? So, uh, in December, we're going to be for five days exploring this question. Thank you. <laughs> we saw it in the shadow. Yes. The wall. This where did it where did it go? I don't see it anymore. So they're not, they're not, they're not. Oh, so so no, it's no, moved no, over no, to where are. Mike is, no, it's, no, it's Yeah, so uh, so, so radiance yeah. includes movement, but it includes everything. Is David Russell there? Yeah. Um so yeah, what is this radiance? That's that's the question. How do we appreciate the radiance that we are, that we is.